0: Are you a college student looking for better guidance on how to figure out your life after college? Maybe you are slowly looking at jobs or maybe you are finally getting around to editing your resume. Or maybe you are just getting anxiety awaiting for the question at the next big family dinner, what are you going to do after college? Yep, I've been there. That's why I created my career ebook guide to help guide you on the path to young adult life in your post-grad career. From custom resume templates, ways to improve your LinkedIn, cover letter examples, top interview questions, and so much more, it's all in my ebook guide, which you can find on my blog at emilyelizabeth.blog shop. Welcome back to another episode of the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily and I'm your host and welcome if you are new here. And if you are brand new, well, I guess I will tell you what this show is about. Uh, Primarily on this show, I converse either with a guest or a friend or sometimes I'll do solo episodes where the topics are revolving around something about the career, personal relationships, uh, friendships, and mental ups and downs, the mindset, just kind of how we can overall just self-improve, really. And so on today's episode, I have the lovely joy of talking with, actually, one of my really good friends from college. I get a chance to talk to her older sister because she is in real estate and kind of with how everyone is trying to move right now and especially when we're in our 20s, we start thinking about what it would be like to buy a house or to be able to at least afford a house. And also, I just think it's not really a conventional topic that we talk about or learn about in college, let alone in our daily life. I feel like it's something we have to go out of our way to do research on. And so, I figured why not bring someone who does this as a career onto the podcast and does talk about her journey and whatnot. So, before we dive into her, I want to do a really quick, uh, I guess, life update, life chat, because I do it every so often. But I guess I will start by saying uh, unfortunately, I know it's January, but um, LA, where I live, is still on this, it's technically lockdown. It's just strange because New York City, at the very least, they still have outdoor dining open, but LA, we don't have outdoor dining open, and so that's kind of something I really miss, and that's pretty much the main thing that I really care about in terms of going out because... I haven't really yearned for a nightlife kind of vibe, although if it's available to me, I would go, but I haven't been, like that hasn't been the priority for me in terms of, oh, I miss going out to the bars or whatever, Um, I just feel like I have so much going on in my life right now that I thoroughly enjoy, so my focus is all there, but I do miss being able to go out for just some cocktails and dinner with friends, especially, you know, friends I've met in LA. And that's just oftentimes where we have a lot of our meaningful conversations. So I wish we could be doing that right now, but unfortunately we can't. And, um, but other than that though, I just want to, I guess, pick out something I'm really grateful for because that is a practice I do on this podcast. And I think, I repeat this a lot, but I really am at the end of the day, despite the current standing of how LA is and just where we are as a global community, honestly, I really am grateful for the opportunity to live where I live right now. I'm looking at this beautiful night skyline view in Los Angeles, Um, it's like more in the Venice and west side of LA and so I'm just really grateful that I have that because I know um, I have to work really hard for it and it takes a lot of energy but um, with everything even though things can look negative to the outer world I can control my inner world and I'm just really grateful that I am where I am and I hope you guys can all find something that you are grateful for as well Okay, so diving back into today's guest, I have Clara Lee on the show, and she really just dives into the basics of real estate. I know real estate is just very, I don't know, intense in a way in terms of knowing as much information as possible, but she does really give a breakdown of just the basics of what we can know, um, and I think that in itself is really helpful especially if you just are curious whether that's pursuing it as a career or just curious about the process of buying a home and why it takes so long and you know just the percentage of how much you need to put down on a home, that kind of thing. So a little bit about Glara, she got her degree in business administration with a minor in real estate development from the university of southern california so usc for those of you who love that school like i do she works tirelessly to bring advanced marketing communications and technological innovation to her clients, helping them to achieve their real estate goals. She's fortunate to have Veronica, her mom, as her partner. Veronica has shared her industry knowledge and insights with her, putting her daughter ages ahead of her generational competitors. Glera is young and full of energy, meaning she can do more and be there more than any other agent out there. She strives to bring the same energy to her team, keeping them on their toes and continuously working for her clients. Like I said earlier, Glara really brings a lot of value on this episode. And I do want to preface as well before we get into it that all of this is just general conversation on real estate I wouldn't say that this is something you should take full-heartedly as real estate advice because um, I'm sure many of you guys know especially if you do have relatives or really close friends in real estate in different markets and such as I do as well uh, people do have different opinions or different approaches in terms of how to get there and so again I want to preface that uh, especially with real estate, but also in anything in life, there's not really a one-size-fits-all. So take what is valuable to you and leave what isn't. Um, but other than that, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation and we'll get right into it. Okay, well, Clara, thank you for being on today. I'm so stoked to have you. Um, can you start by sharing just a background of yourself, where you went to school, what you studied, uh, you know, just that whole elevator pitch of yourself. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for
1: having me, by the way. yeah. Um, so I went to the University of Southern California here in LA, and I have a BS in business administration with a minor in real estate development. I thought I was going to pursue something in hospitality management or potentially commercial real estate. And I did internships in both of those career paths throughout my four years of undergrad. And then I ended up in residential real estate. (laughs) Um, It's something that my mom's been doing my entire life. And when I was offered a full-time position post-grad, I was having a really difficult time committing just because I didn't have the best times at my internships. Mm. And I felt very locked because I went to USC, I paid all of this money for a four-year BS degree and I felt like I had to put it to good use by doing mm-hmm. corporate,
0: but right, I wasn't right. really
1: happy at corporate. So um, I kind of just pulled the trigger one day and decided to pursue residential real estate and forego any of my offers, which was one of the scariest decisions I probably made, but probably one of the best ones. Mm-hmm. Um luckily I had a little bit of help in that. Even though you decide not to go into corporate your first year out of undergrad, you can always kind of have a gap year and then go back. So that was my Mm. intention to do residential for one year, Mm. see how it goes. And then if it's a disaster, I could always go and just apply Mm. for corporate. But it's been about four and a half years now going on to our fifth year of business. And I'm super happy and I don't think I would have it any other way.
0: (laughs) Wow. I really like that you touched there too, the concept of I can always go back, right? I feel like that's something a lot of people forget when it comes to, you know, switching opportunities or switching direction they're going into because they're always so scared of like, oh, but this is what I was supposed to do. Like, this is what I prepped myself to do. So what's like, so before we move on, what's your best tip there for anyone who's still kind of in the middle ground of oh, like this is what I studied or this is what I had planned to do. Um, Any tips for kind of battling those inner thoughts and then also to like advice on why, of course, it sounds like you learned from those internships, why those career paths maybe didn't really fit you. Any tips there for, you know, the young college girls? Yeah, so I think any decision in life that
1: you didn't plan for is scary. Mm -hmm. Um, You always need to consult people in your circle that you trust and things like that can't just jump off a bridge because that's not what I want to encourage there are ways to go about making smart decisions for yourself but at the same time you need to be okay with shifting in a different direction than what you had planned for your life Mm -hmm. because the reality of the world is no matter how well you plan things aren't always going to pan out the way that you thought and especially if you're unhappy or you don't feel fulfillment in the things that you're doing, you have to get the courage to just let go of those things and then make a career change. Um, And it's tough. I mean, I think the best advice I have is talk to everybody you know, but just have the courage and trust within yourself to make that decision and and jump. Mm -hmm. Um, So touching on the topic of why I decided corporate wasn't for me, Mm -hmm. I am a very type A person and I oftentimes find that corporate is a bit restricting for me. I I gain joy and fulfillment in seeing things from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. And I think the reality of corporate is that you're just a part of a timeline. And if I don't get to see the beginning to end of something, I feel zero fulfillment in the things that I've done. And I don't feel purpose. And for some people, that's completely okay. Some people want to be able to go home and not think about their job. And they're completely happy with that, which I understand. But for me, that's not. Something has to inspire me to get up every single day and work. And sometimes it's tedious because I go to bed with work. But I don't find fulfillment if I don't have the whole project. So
0: for me, just corporate wasn't doing it. Gotcha. What about real estate? was really appealing to you, like, you know, because it sounds like you were already interested in real estate as a whole. Obviously, your mom has a background in that. But was there anything specific that you liked about it? um, And something that maybe may not stand out to an outsider, you know, for even for those, for example, I know plenty of people that never considered real estate and then end up doing it as a career. So what are some, I guess, things that stood out to you that maybe could trigger some interest for those that, you know, 10 years from now, they're like, wow, thank God I like tried it out after listening to this podcast because I thought I was going to go into like, I don't know, uh, banking or finance or uh, marketing, whatever like corporate career that could have been. What are some things that stood out to you? I love the things that you mentioned, finance, marketing, all of those things. And the
1: reason I love residential real estate is because it is multifaceted. I get to wear my finance hat. I get to Mm. wear my strategic planning hat. And I also get to wear my marketing hat as well as my interior design hat. Mm. So I get to be involved in the entire process of designing a home, staging it, prepping it, deciding how we're going to market, doing the financial analytics for my client as well as my bottom line in relation to the deal, Um, planning a calendar, putting that together. So I kind of get to use all my hats. And you don't have to um, for residential real estate. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that you can I can wear all of those hats and put all of the things and the skills that I love into one project. But some people don't want to be a part of marketing. Sometimes they only want to do the finance. Well, the great thing is you can hire out and build a team who can support you on the things that you want to do mm-hmm. and the things that you don't want to do. So I'm not saying... Um, To be a successful realtor, you have to be able to do all the things that I talked about, but I think if you have a multiverse interest in things like me, I want to do interior design, but I also want to be able to project manage, then I think residential real estate is a perfect thing for that. Uh
0: Uh-huh. What are some advice that you have for those who are interested in pursuing residential real estate specifically? And you know, maybe they are already certain like, hey, I've seen my parents or family members or friends that are older that have done this, but I don't know really what where to start. I don't know what are some good stepping stones that I could be using right now as a senior in college. What would you tell someone in that stage? Okay. So residential
1: real estate is not all glitz and glam is the first right. thing I like to tell people because there are so many shows lately like Selling Sunset that just glamorize what we do. That is not what we do. This job is a lot of hustle, <laughs> a lot of grind, a lot of contracts too, mm-hmm. things that you have to read and learn. So first of all, you can't go in with the mindset that this is easy peasy. I get to drive a Range Rover and show people beautiful <laughs> houses because it is not. Um, But if this is something that you want to pursue and you're willing to put the work in, then I think one of the best ways is to go on some social media platforms and find residential real estate teams that inspire you Mm -hmm. or you like the way that they're doing business and ask if you can do an internship with them Mm -hmm. or if you can shadow them so that you can see if this is something you want to pursue and potentially join their team. Um, Mm. you can always start off as an assistant or an intern and then work on getting your license and then join Mm -hmm. that team as a full-time agent
0: yeah do you know okay so I know some people that have gotten their real estate license um just as like something to have just in case they end up going that route like what are your thoughts on that is it worth it? Should you like, should you, are you someone that thinks like, oh, you should have it either way, if that's something you're interested in, or even potentially interested in? Or is it something where you're more like, honestly, only go take that test if you, you know, have 70% certainty that you would want to pursue it?
1: Yeah. So I am a firm believer that if you want to do something, um, you should go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. However, it's like, would you get a car license if you never have the intention to drive? Mm. No. (laughs) I like that. There's costs involved with keeping the license. You're going to have to constantly educate yourself on the changing Uh rules. Um, So it's the same thing. If you don't really have that intention, then I don't think it's something that you should do. Some mm. people think it's just, oh, maybe I'll just have it in the back pocket and right. one day I might use it. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't just have a license and have it in your back pocket and then one day decide to jump in a car and drive it. Mm. That's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: a great analogy. I like that. No, I remember um, like I had an ex years ago where I think him and some buddies of his and like a fraternity, uh, one of them actually got a real estate license. And he was kind of like that where he's like, yeah, I, I think I'm going to pursue. I'm not sure when I'm going to get it either way, just in case. And so I remember back then I was like that was a lingering thought for me. I'm like, oh, should I consider doing it? You know, if I at the time I was maybe like 30% curious about real estate, right? So, um I'm sure there's plenty out there that have the same lingering thoughts like, oh, what if I pursue real estate one day and they hear their buddies talking about uh, you know, like getting taking the test whatever, having it as their back pocket. But, you know, with you know from your expertise you're saying, well, I mean, do you really need it though? There's also cost involved. Things that people don't really process through their head while they're actually making the decision to go take the test and whatnot, right? And when you are ready to pursue
1: it, like it's 100% something you want to do, you can go ahead and educate yourself and get your license at that time because Mm -hmm. this industry changes every single year. We get Mm -hmm. new rules and new regulations and new contracts every single year. So if you got a license now, but you don't have any intention of doing anything, And then four years from now, you decide you want to do something. Well, everything Mm -hmm. that you just tested yourself for to get the (laughs) license, a lot of it might not be applicable anymore and you'll have to re-educate yourself. So it's better to do it then.
0: Right. Let's dive into your personal experience. Um, So in the four years, four and a half years that you've been in this um, industry, what are some of the biggest obstacles you've personally faced, um, you know, in this career thus far, how you've overcome them? Um, and just, I guess, anything that you've learned along the way that is likely to happen to someone in their beginning couple years, um, but things that maybe you wish you knew in the in the in the first couple of years of your experience?
1: I think some of the hardest things for me was my age, um, mm. I'm young and getting mm. into an industry where this is an industry that's been around longer than the internet. So there are some people in here that you'll do deals with who have been in the industry that are double your age, triple your age sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they have a way of doing business. And sometimes they think that someone young is coming in and disrupting the industry and not following like the rules or like the norms of um, the industry. So I think in the beginning, when I was dealing with agents or even clients who have done this many times before me they wanted to tell me what to do because i was young and i realized that in the beginning i was very self-conscious i was new and i thought maybe i don't know these things but i think it's really important to recognize that real estate is one of those things that's always always changing Um, now you'll see real estate is like expanding into social media And the way that people do business is changing because there's younger generations purchasing houses and it's just a faster paced way of doing business. So although these people have been in the industry for a lot longer than me, I had to stand up for myself and say, hey, I actually know what I'm doing and I've studied the material. And so you can't just tell me what to do. Um, Same for clients (laughs) who were questioning me and said, How do I know that you're doing the right thing for my house or trying to tell me what they want me to do for the house? And I was like, well, if you're working with me, you just need to trust me. And having the ability to kind of have the confidence to stand up for yourself, which I think is very hard sometimes for younger people when they're approaching older people. um, But it's something that you really need in this industry or else you're just going to get pushed around a lot.
0: Mm, mm, That's great advice. What are, what are other common obstacles that people can expect in this career? Honestly, it's both a buyer and seller. Okay. Um, let's go
1: into a little bit of the home buying and home selling process. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I think sometimes people say I want to ha- buy a house so, yeah. <laughs> and, and they think, great, where do I start? You know, um, the biggest obstacle to home buying is the down payment. Um, so typically in California, so that you get the best interest rate on your loan, you want to put 20% down. So 20% of whatever home that you want to buy, you have to have that liquid cash. So that takes a lot of time to accrue. Um, and a lot of times people will say, how do I save that 20%? That sounds like a lot of money. Um, and that's kind of going into personal finance. You need to look at your long-term goals of how you want to spend money, and you need to put it into some sort of like a down payment sinking fund. So everyone approaches that a little bit differently, um, but I recommend, you know, 50% of your income should be put into some sort of like savings, and that's where you're going to accrue that 20%. Um, So we work with clients like far in advance. So I have people who told me two years ago that they want to buy a house and I'll run all the numbers for them and I'll tell them how much that they need to save and everything so that they can come back to me in two years so that they can buy a house. So I think it's really important that if you do have an idea that
0: you want to purchase a home in the future, you start saving 20%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how how often do you come across where people put down more, more than 20%? And is that good? Like, does that put you in a better place for the interest rate or – or even like for example it's so funny too i have a friend that actually bought a house in full cash in austin texas and primary the main reason actually uh, was because he's not a us citizen he's actually um here on like a one of like the top um i think visas or whatever cuz he's a film director and so i think his interest rate was like super high um primarily just cuz he had no credit all that so he kind of was like okay F that. I'm not going to do that. Then I, I think he just like sold, you know, some shares of like stocks that he's been, you know, doing well, you, you know how that goes. And so he just liquidated and um had the cash. But what I I never really like thought about it until, you know, now having this real estate conversation. But is that good? Is that a powerful move? Like if you really can and comfortably buy a home in cash? Is that what are your thoughts on that? Obviously, again, it's your yeah. expertise. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think your friend, to be
1: honest, had no other option. When you get what the loan he would qualify for is called a foreign national loan. Mm. And because you don't have any sort of credit here in the U.S., they have no way to collect against you if you decide not Mm. to pay. So you're seen Mm. as a credit risk, which is why they charge you more interest. But if I personally did have the cash to buy something 100% full cash, I wouldn't just necessarily say, yes, I'm going to buy this home full cash because you can always use your assets for other things such as investments and grow your money. So if I qualify for a great interest rate, I would put a bigger down payment down to make sure that my monthly payments on my mortgage were well within a balance that I could afford. And often buying a full cash can be beneficial to you in bidding out other offers But Mm. if that isn't necessarily the case, and there's no other offers that you're competing against, then I think it's much more effective to take um, advantage of Mm -hmm. a better interest rate. But like you were saying, if I can do full cash, does it benefit me in some ways? Of course, Mm. Um, if there's multiple offers on the table, oftentimes people wanna work with an all cash deal because it's less likely that something will fall through um Mm. lenders sometimes can the loan might not come out or the Mm. loan terms might not might change during the deal and oftentimes sellers want to mitigate any of those risks so if there is a full cash deal on the table then they may feel
0: more inclined to take that Mm, okay um is it often so like for example what what is it so for someone who is doing an all cash offer um, but maybe someone else who is also bidding on the house, um, they're doing the classic 20% down, but their offer is higher. Um, what, well, like kind of evaluate that situation. How how does that go about? And then also to, I mean, we'll dive into it more after, you know, the first part of the question, but why is the home buying process such a long process? I'm sure you can break it down, but um, yeah, I guess you can dive into the first one as to how it really plays out when you're playing this whole offer game of someone having more cash down versus someone less, but then their offer is less. And then the one with less percent down is a higher offer, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So for me, I always educate my sellers on this when I'm working with sellers on deciding what offer to pick. Uh So I think at the end of the day, I guess these two questions are kind of integrated. So the home buying process when you have a loan is typically 30 to 45 days. When you have an all cash deal, the the property can close as quickly as 5 to 10 to 15 days. On average for an all cash deal, it's about Mm -hmm. 15 days. So the benefit of this all cash deal is that you're potentially able to close on this house sooner. And then therefore, as a seller, you can get your money quicker for Mm -hmm. that house and you Mm -hmm. can move on and buy another house. Mm -hmm. So let's say there was an offer that's all cash, 15 days, Mm -hmm. but the price is less than another offer that is getting a loan. That's 30 to 45 days. The reality is, as a seller, your only cost incurred is for that time difference about of about 30 days. Mm. So me as a seller to own this house for 30 days, I pay $3,000 or $5,000. Then the offer difference has to be well within a range surpassing that. Mm. So that way, if the cash deal is, let's say a million dollars, and the one with the loan is a million $10,000, then of course, the one with the loan just makes a lot more sense. Mm, but if the difference mm. was only $2,000, then I would just move forward with the cash deal.
0: Right, right. Ah, so there's that makes a sense. lot that
1: goes into it. <laughs> um, but I tell yeah. my clients all the time when we're competing with offers that are against all cash. So this is when I'm representing the buyer. Uh-huh. The only way you can beat an all cash offer is to offer
0: more. Right, right. Interesting. Okay. People, There's a lot of young people that aspire to buy a house, like you kind of mentioned earlier. And however, you also mentioned ideally saving about 50% of your income, which I would argue most people in this Gen Z millennial uh, generation, I'd say they struggle with that, right? Um, Especially, you know, in times like COVID, we saw what happened. Uh, Not many people really had that much savings depending on their you know financial savviness and knowledge um but what are other ways that people like the young ones right again in college in their 20s hoping to buy a house in a few years how else can they save and grow their money um in a strategic way like what are some things that you did when you bought before you bought your first home
1: yeah so Obviously, the easiest way is make more money, right? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> very simple. Yeah. Um, so I think saving is something that is very, very difficult for people in our society, just everyone, because we're mm-hmm. put into this culture where everyone's like, buy this, buy that. And everyone mm-hmm. wants the or cool thing and fast fashion and makeup and hair and clothes and everything. And I try to look at what are my long-term goals that I want Mm. in life. Um, And if a house is something that you want, then you're going to need to backtrack on a lot of those things.
0: So Mm.
1: probably one of the biggest expenses people have um, in college and then right out of college is actually their rent. So, Mm -hmm. Sometimes people go into these cities like New York, LA, even where mm-hmm. we are in Orange County and you see mm-hmm. the cleanest, the nicest apartment and you want to live there and give them all your money um, mm-hmm. and pay like, I would say even like 60% of what they're making on rent. Mm-hmm. In order to save money to buy a house, you're going to have to sacrifice and not live in the nicest apartment. You're mm-hmm. not going to have to sacrifice Potentially just living at home and mm-hmm. not living with your friends the first couple of years out of college. It's those big financial decisions. It's not just, it's not the little ones like, should mm-hmm. I eat the Starbucks or not? <laughs> right, right, right. It's right. those big things. Look like at, do I need a really nice car right now or do mm-hmm. I want to save money so that I could buy a house in the future? And Uh I think those are the biggest and hardest decisions for people to make and especially everyone very young to make because we see the things on social media and we want all Mm -hmm. of the nice things, but it's Mm -hmm. foregoing those things that are going to help you be able to buy a house very early in Mm -hmm. your life. Um, A great way to save money is to set up an account. I had an account where Mm -hmm. I just put in money and I never touched. I never Mm -hmm. looked at it. I never thought of it. And this can be a savings account at a bank that can accrue interest. Um, some people like to put their money in stocks. I'm right. pretty conservative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> stocks are so up and down. There's so much to learn. And that's mm-hmm. not really where I'm savvy at. So mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with putting my money into a bank where there's a certain amount of interest that it accrues mm-hmm. every single year. And then I just don't think
0: about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is there a special name for that kind of savings account? I think you mentioned it earlier too, but I forgot what you had said. It's an interest occurring
1: savings account. The interest is okay. not very high. Of course, if mm-hmm. you put your money into investment or stocks and things, I like thought you could potentially mm-hmm. earn more. But mm-hmm. with everything that you can earn more in, there's risk involved. So I right. am a very risk averse person. So I like mm-hmm. to put my mm-hmm. money in interest accruing savings account. They have
0: them at like right. most major banks. Um, I actually have mine at Charles Schwab. Okay. Okay. And then another question I want to ask too. So as a realtor, um, how does, I guess, like the process for you, like when it comes to you getting paid, um, I I know a little bit about it. I think it's like, you know, you get a certain percentage, right? Um, How does that work out for you? And I guess how, um, because it's not like corporate, right? Where you get that consistent biweekly income, whatever Um, yours is, I'm assuming more so based on, you know, Per closed deal, right? So, can you explain um, again to those who are potentially interested how that works um, and the You know, the pros and cons of this way of uh, working and living and getting paid versus the alternative.
1: Yeah. So, we are a commission-based business, um, Mm -hmm. meaning we only make money if the deal closes and finishes, and our clients get everything that they wanted and sign those escrow papers and pass over the house. So. The Mm -hmm. good thing is um, commission-based businesses, you have the potential to grow the harder you work, which is what I like. Mm -hmm. The more deals Mm -hmm. that I do, the more money that I make. Another thing about commission business is that nothing is guaranteed. You could work a deal for 30, 45 days and then have it not end up closing and you make Mm zero dollars. Also, with commission-based business, you have to put all of your expenses up front before you make the money. So that Mm. is a very scary thing for people. All of our marketing dollars that we spend into putting a house Sometimes, sometimes I'll spend $10,000 on marketing a home. Mm. And then I'm supposed to get $40,000 at the end of the deal. And the deal doesn't end up closing. Mm. That's something that I had to mitigate into my business practice. How much am I willing to spend on every single house for the potential return of what I could potentially make? So Mm -hmm. even more so than anybody else, I have to practice good money spending and saving habits because Mm. I could potentially make nothing this year or I can make double what I made of last year. So I have to be conservative and decide how I want to spend my money. Um, It is an industry where easily, because it's commission-based, you could get your first commission check and it's so huge and go and buy everything that you wanted in life only to find out that might be your only commission check of the year. So when you come in, you need to learn really how to budget and manage and spend your money.
0: Right. So um, what's like the average commission a realtor? Makes? Let's just say in Southern California, because obviously buying a house here is so expensive. Um, but what is, I guess, the average and how is it decided? Is it based on, you know, what the realtor wants? Or can you break that down? Yeah, so we're paid our
1: commissions from the seller side here in California.
0: Mm. Um, so typically
1: the seller will sign a contract with an agency and decide how much that they want to pay that agency as well as the cooperating agency, which would be the buyer mm-hmm. side, um, for mm-hmm. the deal. And it's an industry average. So our industry average is six percent. Um, and then it goes up and down on the sliding scale from there. So typically it's to the buyer side, and then 3% to the seller side um, Mm. of whatever purchase price that you're thinking. And then as you get into different negotiations, different relationships, you'll see that percentage shift a little, Um, but Mm -hmm. it's usually somewhere around there.
0: Okay. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So I think it's definitely great for those who know how to spread out their, you know, money, right? Let's say they're getting, I don't know, a $50,000, $100,000 check, right, for commission. And, you know, it's being strategic with knowing how to spread that out. Um, If you just, you know, on on the safer side, assume that's the one for the year, right? Um, Yeah, which I think takes a lot of, what is it, just uh, smart financial thinking really and planning. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. have to
1: decide how much of that you want to put back into your business is another mm-hmm. thing. You have to put money into your business for it to grow. Um, but it's mm-hmm. like any sort of an uh, entrepreneurial venture. You have to mm-hmm. decide how much is gonna have the best returns um without overdoing yeah. it.
0: Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, I have two last questions for you. Um, the first one being just kind of over the years now, since you graduated from USC and have you know seen kind of the turbulence of our economy and just like the real estate market, and then, of course, this past year, 2020, being very turbulent, um, what's your best advice just for anyone in regards to mindset and being able to stick it through, through, through challenges, through whatever career they're in? Um, what's, I guess, the best advice you were given that you would like to pass along?
1: There are going to always be up and downs in our economy, in our life, um, and so many things are always going to be happening around us. The only thing that we can control is how those things affect us and our mindset of how we want to deal with things. So, uh, I'm gonna take this a little bit outside of that question. So, one of the things I get asked all the time is, "When is the best time to buy a house? When is the best time to do this? When is the best time?" to time in the market. Um, I wanna make sure that I'm buying at the perfect time or doing something at the perfect time, right? Um, and I tell people this, I forget who told me this, but I heard it at a seminar and I thought it was the best advice ever. And the reality is the economy and everything is always going to ebb and flow. So the best time for anything is when it's the best time for you and only you. So it's when you can afford a house And when you like the houses that are available to you, if those two things don't align, it doesn't matter what's happening in the world, the market, the economy, and any of those things. So it's about looking and kind of canceling out the outside noise and looking at if it's the best time for you, not just for buying a house, but for anything in life, if it's the right time for you, not just about what's happening on a larger
0: level. Just try to keep that in mind. Yeah, I love that. Okay. One last question I ask every guest on the show, and that is what fulfills you in life? So for me,
1: um, I try to focus on things that make me happy and confident. So I would say the biggest things are being a good agent to my clients being a good girlfriend to my boyfriend and being a good daughter to my mom and being a good sister to uh, my sister, Monica, that you know. So for me, it's just focusing on those things and making sure that I'm not taking those boxes is what makes me happy Mm -hmm. and fulfilled.
0: Yes, you know, I love that. Everyone, I really love it too, asking this question. Obviously, it's the name of the podcast, but um, I've noticed every single person has always talked about the way they either affect another person or the, or their relationships, right? And it's always about the people and the community that we're involved in. And I think sometimes, especially in busier times and normal times, we forget that we chase – the Range Rover, we chase the the nice house, right? Um, and when we stop for a second, and we just ask ourselves what it is that fulfills us, we realize, you know, like you said, it's for you being the best you can to your clients and to the people that you really impact. So I just had to add a comment right there saying, I love your answer that, you know, it, it, it revolves around people, truly.
1: <laughs> no, I I love that. Yeah. And I think it's something we can so easily lose sight of, Mm-hmm. So, I try to remind myself all the time, even me sometimes, yeah. I lose sight <laughs> of it. Yep. Um, but I have to remind myself that, and I think it allows you to be happier as a person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and not feel so boggled down in like the way you feel about yourself or self confidence if you kind of focus on having those things outside of
0: material, mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. relationships. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, share where everyone can find you. And then also, too, if anyone's in Southern California, especially Orange County, I definitely have a lot of listeners down there. Um, you know, just share your uh, website, your real estate content, all of that. <laughs> yeah.
1: So my website is glaraveronica.com. Okay. And then you can also find me on Instagram at glera lee underscore. I do Q&A Thursdays every single week where you can ask me any real estate questions, whether it's getting into the industry, buying Mm -hmm. a house, selling a house, even renting, as well as personal finance. So every Thursday, anyone, whether they're my client or not, I'm just
0: giving free advice. So they can drop in
1: anytime and ask.
0: Sweet. And I'll make sure I link all of that in the show notes so anyone can just go ahead and click and they'll get there right away. (laughs) Love that. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And that was today's conversation with Glara Lee. Again, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please be sure to, one, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You guys know how much that means to me. And then also, just be sure to comment on the latest post with Glara on the What Fulfills You podcast Instagram, which is, of course, linked in the show notes. And just comment what your takeaway was, what you learned from this episode, or anything that you just found surprising. I know that we would both appreciate seeing your feedback. And with that being said, thank you again for listening. And I will catch you all next time.
1: At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity. And the American dream starts with purpose.